Ho, ho, ho. Nice cannonball, Santa. Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. Unless it's the reindeer. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host. With over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, it's undecided if he's on the naughty or nice list. <laughs> Edgar De Jesus and his co-hosts, JJ Flawless and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast. I am your host, Edgar DeJesus, and yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy Nicholas. Today, we continue our conversation on the three core segments of your business, and we dive into part two of operations. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk, and we ain't talking about netting and jetting and splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. But before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, PoolInvoice.com, Blu-ray XL, and Aquastar Pool Products. We want to thank them for their continued support. Mr. Zacharias, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to continue our conversation on operations and as I go through these and I look at the questions, I start thinking about the notes and building my notes. Even last week, it just amazes me how deep we could really go into each one of these questions. And I have to check myself because I'll end up with five pages of notes and we could talk for four hours on each question. But I'm excited to continue on this today, answer some more questions and keep working on this. And then on another note, we actually close for the week of Christmas. So Friday was our last day of business. And I'll tell you, there's just something like a weight lifted when business closes that day and I walk through the shop and everything's buttoned up and all the vehicles are locked and the doors locked and I go home and I can just take a deep breath and know that we're off for a week and it's time to relax. So I'm excited about that. That is awesome. Now, let me ask you a question. You take the week of Christmas off. So you close on Friday and then this year, when do you open back up? Well, actually, the guys will be going on the 26th because we got to get the pools going, but our office will be closed on the 26th, and then we'll open on the 27th fully for business, and it usually varies from year to year. We have this argument of, are we taking this year? Is it the week after, or is it the week before? But we landed on the week before, so we're closed all next week. Now, let me ask you something, because I know that your guys do, I think after two years or something like that, after a couple years... You guys do two weeks of vacation mm-hmm. for the pool guys and the, everybody. So does this week of Christmas count as one of those vacations or is this week on top of their two weeks vacation? This is on top of it. And the reason we kind of landed on that is we felt like it wasn't our, I should say, to dictate when they use their vacation. And we wanted to have that as a benefit of working for us. A lot of companies, I see a lot of different interesting benefit things that are added, health insurance, dental vision, all that stuff. We're currently not at a stage where we offer those things. So this is just something, Christmas is just purely something where everyone gets to take a break, unwind, be with their families. They don't have to worry about missing work or missing a paycheck. 
And additionally, we don't credit for the week of Christmas. So it's not like we're, our vehicles are parked. They're not out there costing us money, driving around. There's no wear and tear. So it doesn't really cost us much. That's pretty awesome. So that technically, I know you see it probably a little bit differently, but technically that's an added benefit to the vacation time. So if they take their two weeks plus this week, it's going to end up being three weeks that they're off from work. Yes. Yep. That's legit. That's awesome, dude. I, and, you ready and, to come to work? And see, look at that. We're all these years of talking and I didn't even know that <laughs> about your business until we started diving into some of these operations. And here we are talking about time off and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So for everybody listening, John is out. We're still in the middle of negotiations with John. So John knew that Zach wanted first class airfare and then John wanted a private jet. So I think we've got him convinced to do what? The propeller plane? I think we're good with that. Yeah, but he might have to lower his expectations down to like some a Greyhound pass or something like that. Cause... An unlimited Greyhound pass. Yeah. <laughs> now, let me ask you, Zach, have you ever taken a Greyhound bus? Yes, one time, and it was actually a very horrible and a very interesting experience. So I take it that you wouldn't do it again? If I had the choice not to, I would never ride on it. I think it was like a three-hour drive into a, like a five-hour drive. I'll kind of tell you the story. I used to work for a guy that had a moving company. It was just him and then me and Justin, and we would move. And so we drove from Idaho down to Phoenix and we had a, uh, or Flagstaff. So we had moved someone down to Flagstaff, drove a U-Haul straight through. I was literally taking turns sleeping on the floor in the U-Haul. And we get there and we go to the rental car place to rent a car to drive to Phoenix. And my boss is old school and they're like, okay, can we have your credit card? And he's like, I don't have a credit card. Like cash, right? And they're like, no, we need a credit card on file. So long story short, we couldn't rent a car. So we had to walk to a Greyhound bus station and wait there and then ride it. And I had some of the most interesting conversations while waiting for that bus with some of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. And I'll just leave it at that. But never again if, if I had a choice. Oh, that is hilarious. So I actually... Took somebody once to a Greyhound bus stop over there in Orange County, and it was really interesting to say the least. And I don't want to talk bad about it, but it was like exactly what you're saying is the people that were there was like, oh my God, are you sure you want to get in this thing? So there was a lady there that had a black eye and told me she had been kicked in the face by a horse. So that's literally the how it started. She was Kicked in the face by a horse? Yeah, her story was a little questionable. I'm not sure if it was, but yes, she that's got how in, it started. In some fight somewhere and somebody beat her yeah. up and just felt like a horse, right? Yeah. And then she was inviting us back to their apartment or wherever to party. <laughs> like, we're okay. I think we'll pass. We, we got to yeah. catch the next bus. <laughs> So anyway, so everybody listening, John is out today. We did play a little rock, paper, scissors, and he beat us. So he had two of those in a row. So he will be back next week. Anyways, let's continue. Oh, wait, before I do that, since this podcast is right before Christmas, are you ready to roll? You, you got all your gifts and you're just ready to... I think we're finally there and now we're just, we're, this is the last day, the last scramble to get everyone ready to travel tomorrow. So we'll be 
It's about 10 hours of travel time with wow. a seven-month-old, a seven-year-old, an 11-year-old. So it should be really a fun time tomorrow. Can I give you a little bit of advice? And this, yes, it, this might happen, might not happen. Seven-month-old, going. you're flying, I'm assuming, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's what happens if you have a small baby like that and they start to get that pressure in their ears mm-hmm. and they can't clear it out, that baby's probably going to cry for however long that flight is. So see if you can find some earplugs that you can put in the baby that won't bother the baby. Mm-hmm. And then you take, you obviously try to put them on without the baby trying to take them out. But it's better that they have them on during the flight so that they don't get that pressurized type thing and then are crying the whole time trying to unclog those ears. Yeah, definitely. Anything helps at this point. When we flew with Roman when he was little, I think the doctor told us to give him Benadryl Mm -hmm. before to help him calm down. But for those of you that don't know, Benadryl has sometimes the opposite effect. And with Roman, (laughs) it had the opposite effect. So never again on that. It was wired. Yes. Where was I flying to? I was flying recently somewhere. I don't remember to where it was. And there was a poor lady that was in first class, had three kids, and one of them was an infant. And they were all sitting in first class. So she had her and her baby. And then she was very smart. She grabbed the two small kids, which oldest must have been like nine years old, and then had the probably like six-year-old in the seat next to them. So she had a stranger next to her, but at least the two kids didn't have anybody sitting next to them and she was in front. That baby that was on her lap cried the entire flight. I was just, obviously I wasn't in first class, but I was just sitting there going, oh man, those people have got to be going crazy with that poor baby screaming the whole time. Because when you don't have kids, you're always like, oh, they need to get a handle on their kid. I see a kid throwing a fit and I'm like, oh, my kids will never be like that. And now I'm, I told Leslie, cause on Southwest there's like three seats in each side. And I told her she can sit with the two kids and the baby and I'm going to sit in another section and act like I don't know them until <laughs> we get there. So <laughs> that's my plan. What a great plan. You're going to be sleeping on the sofa, my friend. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting because we have our kids and our first three kids, none of them threw fits. They would always be the ones that saw somebody throwing a fit and their eyes would open. And then he, here comes my lovely youngest son and he would throw fits everywhere. And I was, I was just like, oh God, I was one of those that I always used to see parents with the little leash on their kids. And I used to be judgy and be like, oh my God, how can you do that to one of your kids? Like, oh my God. Soon as I had Jaden, I'm like, now I know why you have to have one of those on there because they take off. Like yeah. we were in line at Disneyland at one of the rides and we're all talking with the kids and all of a sudden we turn around and the people in front of us, they hit us on the shoulder. Excuse me, is that your son? Jaden had walked all the way to the front of the line and was ready to get on the ride. <laughs> So he was like gone and he would talk to anybody and he would go with anybody. And it was like, yeah, we need to control you, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, so let's get this party started, Zach. The week before last, this question was sent in. Hey guys, I've been listening for a while and love everything that you guys do. I've started looking at my company and looking at the different areas of my business. 
I guess I'm trying to divide my business into sections so that I can focus on each one of those sections. What would you say are the sections that I should divide my business into? And so we talked about the three core segments being operational, customer relations slash customer service, and financials. And so last week on the last podcast, we did a deep dive into the first segments that were sent in. And so we talked about the following three. We talked about inventory, we talked about chemical distribution, and we talked about staffing and hiring. So today what we're going to do is we are going to continue with the ones that you sent in. We'll talk about the next three or four based on time. But Zach, let me start with the first one here, and that is being strategy. So they sent a note in saying, you guys are talking about strategy itself, but how do I even begin? Seems like there's so much that I need to do that it's just overwhelming. So I'm going to go back to what I usually say. And the first thing to think about is your goals and your vision. And I think people are probably tired of me talking about this, but I think it's very important. And the things that you want to start thinking about is, what are you doing this for? Like, what's the purpose of being an entrepreneur? What's the purpose of going out on your own, taking these risks and starting a company? Is it a steady paycheck? Is it to build tremendous wealth or anything in between? Uh, do you want to be the one out servicing the pools because that's your passion and you want that personal touch and you like interacting with the customers and that's what makes you the happiest? Or are you wanting to build or are you wanting to hire people in your place so that you can grow your company beyond you? Additionally, things I would think about is how big do you want to grow your company and how do you want to exit that company? Do you want to sell it? Do you want to pass it on to someone else? And so to me, that's how... I would start thinking about creating a strategy is thinking about these questions. And I always say, write it down, get pencil and paper and put it down. And when we first start out, we tend to be solely focused on getting accounts. And I get that because we need to create income to survive. So that's priority number one. We're out there just grinding and trying to get some income. But when we start talking about long-term strategy, you need to start putting a lot of thought into these questions. Think about if you were to wake up tomorrow, and be where you want to be with your business and your personal life, what does that look like? If I were to go to sleep tonight and wake up tomorrow and be where I want to be, what does that look like? And maybe it's that you would have 50 pulls a week, you're not working nights, you're not working weekends, and you have that personal time for yourself and your family, but then you also need to look at like outside of your business what your ideal lifestyle is because you need an idea of how much money you need to take home so that you can support your lifestyle. If you want a million dollar house on 10 acres on the water, you want your, say, three kids to go to college, you want to drive a $100,000 pickup, and you want your wife to drive a $100,000 car, then you need to make sure that your business goals align with that and that make it so that you can achieve that. And on the flip side, maybe you want to grow your company to service 5,000 pools and go multi-city. So I think these are the things you need to start thinking about. And I think it's hard to start building a strategy if you don't have an idea of what it is you're trying to accomplish. And keep in mind that this can change and should be revisited periodically because life changes, our priorities change, our interests change. And it's good to modify our strategy based on those changing goals. This is an exercise that throughout the years, I go through over and over and over. And I can tell you from when I started the company to now, that has changed tremendously. And I think a lot of people avoid going through this exercise in the beginning because of one thing, and it's they don't know what they want right now. 
And that's okay. Just get something down because like I said, you can change it along the way. And once you have an idea of what that big picture is, then you can ask yourself, this is where we get into creating strategy and building that. You can ask yourself, what's it going to take to get there? And then you can start to work backwards and fill in those blanks. I know this is a very generalized answer. It doesn't really dive into the how to start doing this, but I think it's very important to think about these things and have an idea of these things when starting to create that strategy. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So we start talking strategy, but how can you create a strategy when you don't even know what you want to be? It's almost like when you grow up, what do you want to be, right? So if you want to be a doctor, there's a lot of school that you have to do. And then if you want to specialize, there's something that you have to do in order to specialize to take that to the next level. Well, business is the exact same thing. You, you have to first start with what does that big picture look like? And that big picture doesn't have to have everything spelled out and every little thing figured out, right? The beginning of the strategy is who do I want to be? Who do I want my company to be? What do I want that company to look like? And I'm going to agree with you 100%, Zach. You don't have to have it all figured out because as the journey progresses, the journey is going to change. And I'll give you a perfect example. We start talking about even Pool Nation, right? When we started, we had a very simple strategy into who we wanted to be and what we wanted to do and the things that we wanted to accomplish. And as you progress, the road changes, other opportunities come up, and then you adjust that strategy based on the road that you're at at that particular moment. So when we're talking about any business, the very first thing that you need to start out with is from here to three years, where do I want to be? What do I want that picture to look like? Because once you know what you want to be, then you can really start to strategize to get to that first road, okay? Now remember, it's gonna change because at some point you're gonna get to that road, you're gonna get to where you wanted to be in three years, and then you have to go, I'm here, now what? Okay, now I have two guys and I thought I was gonna be happy with only having two guys and a repair guy, but now I wanna be bigger. So now that changes again. So you definitely have to start with the big picture of where you wanna be. And it can be generalized. You don't have to have it all figured out from the beginning. But I agree with Zach. Sit down, put pen to paper, start jotting it down. Because what's going to happen is it'll change a couple of times. But figure that out. And Zach, I have a conversations with a lot of pool pros. And that's really the stage where they're at. They're doing pools by themselves. They're out there doing pools. They've learned a lot of the water chemistry. They've learned a lot of the repairs. And then they're just kind of sitting there going, what's next? What do I do? I've learned all this stuff. Now what? And my thing to them is always, well, now that you're here, what do you want your company to be? Because that's going to dictate, right? So if you don't want to grow, you have to figure out what your strategy is going to be for your small business at that point. We've talked about this in the past, but it's kind of like hopping into a taxi and not giving them an address. <laughs> right. Like, where are you going? I don't know. I'm in here, though. Let's go. Right. I'm here. I got money. Where are we going? You know, talking about this, it got me to thinking. And I remember clearly my big picture at the point that we were starting. And 
my partner Justin and I in high school, we would work on cars and we would go out in the summer. They had the Friday night drag races and that was our thing. And so when we started the company, that was really my goal was I want to have some income to fund my hobby. And I'll talk about changing. Today, I don't even have a personal vehicle. So that's how well that worked out for me. But I was able to recognize my strategies changing, my goals and my priorities are changing. How can I modify the plan to fit what I'm trying to do today? Yeah. And so that has to be your first step is really what you want to be. And I think that's why they tell you, create a one-year plan, create a three-year plan, create a five-year plan, because your five-year plan is going to be very different than your one-year plan. And let's say that you are a single polar, you're going to start talking about strategy, you're going to talk about starting to learn. Here's a little bit of what that strategy to me would look like, Zach, and that would be, I'm getting into the pool business, right? I don't know water chemistry. I don't know repairs. I do need 60 pools in order to financially be able to survive, to be able to live comfortable and leave the stress of the financials behind me, right? So you have a simple plan, and that is that in the first year, you're going to take three courses of water chemistry. You're going to go to a show. You're going to take two more courses there on water chemistry, right? You're going to get that water chemistry maybe three certifications that are out there. Maybe you take the CPO, maybe you take the PCTI training, right? You go to a show, you take a couple other water chemistry courses, but you set that strategy to become that water expert that you want to be. And again, we're talking about strategy of being just a single polar. The other thing that you're going to do is, hey, I know that I need to know how to do repairs, but I want to get water chemistry down right. So maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for six months, get as much water chemistry in place that I can. After the six months, I'm going to try to partner with somebody where I can learn to do repairs. And then you hit that six-month mark. Now you're very comfortable with the water chemistry. Now you're going into repairs, and that could be anything. My strategy was I partnered up with Rod. Rod did a lot of the warranty stuff. I drove with him for free on Mondays. I learned a lot of the repairs, right? So you get that part of your business now down. And then the third part of it, which I'm going to tell everybody, is financials. You do this for the financial reasons, And if from the beginning you get that financial practice, you're going to be set on the right path, okay? So a strategy could be as simple as that, as simple as what are the three main areas of my business that I need to do as a single polar? And you have to remember my three-year plan by year three, I want to have a couple of guys working with me. If you've done that strategy, you are now very advanced at water chemistry. So now you're able to go ahead and teach that to the people that are on your staff. So your strategy would look like, okay, I hire my first guy from day one to six months. I'm going to focus with him or her on water chemistry. And here's the certificates that I want them to hold. Here's the water chemistry training that they need to hold. And then that six months after that, I'm going to do the same thing and I'm going to start to train them on the repairs and the things that that I have learned. And what that will do is now you have a strategy, you have a start date, you have an end date, you know specifically what certifications that they're going to take. And also as you start to train those people, Zach, what happens when you train other people, you become even more knowledgeable and more efficient at what it is that you do because not only did you read about it, you practiced it, but now you're training somebody else on it. And when you do that, that makes you a lot stronger. But you have to know 
what your goal is, what that one-year goal is, what that three-year goal is of your business. And you really can't start to strategize until you know what you want to become. Absolutely. And I mean, there's so many ways to go through that process, but start with the small things, get the big picture. And then like you said, what's the short term? What's the mid range? What's the long term? And then basically you're you're putting in the steps in place to achieve those things. And strategy can help in a lot of ways that you may not even consider. Strategy may cause you to spend more money on a location when you get to that point because it's important that you have that certain location because you have 200 pools within a certain radius of that location. Yeah, you can get this location cheaper down there, but when you have the strategy in play, you know your numbers, then it makes more sense to get this more expensive location than the area you need to be. So there's just so many ways that it you can put it into play and help it use it as a tool to help you grow your business. But yeah, I think ultimately, without any idea, you're just taking a shot in the dart. I'm just going to go out there, answer all the calls I get, take on all the customers I get. You won't be able to move the needle. Yeah. Without a strategy, it's what we talk about every time, right? It's the pilot flying the plane with no instruments. You're just going wherever. It's getting into the taxi and telling the taxi driver, I don't know where I want to go. I know I want to go somewhere. I'm going somewhere, but where's my destination? And so that's the part of the strategy that you need to be able to do in order to be able to put the steps in place for that strategy. So, you know, sit down, write it on a board, have it somewhere where you can see it every day so that you know what your strategy is. Because here's what happens. We get busy. We get very busy with task-oriented responsibilities. We have to do a certain amount of pools. We have to do a certain amount of repairs. We have to send out a certain amount of bills. We have to do a certain amount of invoicing. And what happens is if you're not constantly looking at that big picture, you could just put your head down. And by the time you look up, two years have gone by and all you're doing is servicing pools, sending out invoices, doing repairs, and not working towards that bigger picture, that strategy. So if you have that somewhere, it's constantly reminding you, I have to do more. And the one thing that you need to understand as a business owner and this happens in real life all the time, is everybody wants to sell you on the idea of the big dream that while your company is working, you're drinking margaritas out in a beach somewhere, you're drinking pina coladas and you're doing that. And that's not reality. Reality is you can grow to there, but in order to get there, you have to sacrifice more than everybody else. You have to work while everybody else is sleeping you have to give up the vacations in order to be able to get there. And look, man, you compare and you look at the most successful people in this world, and they're all very hardworking people. You take a look at Elon Musk. I mean, the guy's 24-7 on, right? But in order to have that level of success, you have to put the time in, right? You look at Jeff Bezos. Look at how much he worked he finally gave the keys and gave the keys to somebody else so that he can go and enjoy everything that he's built. But everybody just thinks about what he's doing now, enjoying and doing all that. But what people don't talk about is the sacrifice and the hard work and all the things that he had to give up to get there. So remember that as you're building your business, you're going to have to make sacrifices. I'm not telling you that you have to give up everything. 
But I promise you that you're going to have to work hard in order to achieve those goals. Don't be afraid to do that. Yeah, and I think we all go through that. We fall into that temptation and we see other people doing it and it's like, well, why are they farther ahead than me? But we have to keep in mind, we don't know behind the scenes on other people's situations and all we can worry about is what we're trying to do. And I think in the beginning, when we first started, don't get me wrong, we worked a lot, but we also fell into a lot of those temptations and wasting money, spending money, not knowing what our numbers were. And once I finally started really focusing on that side of the business and learning it and realizing, oh, we we can't do this, we can't do that, and putting that effort into it, that's when we started to really grow as a business. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't fall into the trap. And our industry is very easy. And it happened to me at the beginning. My neighbor used to be a pool guy, which is one of the reasons that I got into the business. And he would be done. His thing is he wanted to be done at noon every day. And his route was very tight. And that's all he bragged about. And at the beginning, I started to do the same thing, right? Because that's what I was seeing. So I'm like, I just want to be done. I want to be done, be done, and be done. And then all of a sudden, I realized it's like, man, I'm done at 12 o'clock. What am I going to do the rest of the day? That's not my vision. My vision is to grow. My vision is to bring people on. And he would be done every day at 12 o'clock, and I would be strolling in at 6 or 7 o'clock at night. In the summer times, it was nights that I'd get home at 9 o'clock at night. But I was trying to build something bigger and we tend to fall into that trap of we want to be able to get on the, into that autopilot and just be able to do those things. And as you grow, you fall out of that and you start to see the bigger picture. Yeah. And that may very well have been his vision. And he strategized and put the things in place so that he could be done at noon every day because it fit it, it fit what he wanted. It fit his needs. It met all the requirements. Who knows? And that was and so that's why it, that really was his vision. So he didn't want to hire guys, and he would tell me, "I don't want anybody working with me. I don't want the headache of employees. I don't want any of that. I do eighty pools. I do all my repairs. My wife stays home. I financially can provide for me, my wife, my daughter." And it took him a lot of years to tighten his route to where, man, he could leave at 7.30 in the morning and by noon he had done 15, 16 pools and gone and done repairs and do all that. And he had cherry picked his route and they all had cleaners and they all had, that took years, but that was his strategy over the years. And that's how, exactly like you're saying, we were two totally different people and he would see me and he would be like, man, I don't want that. I don't want the headache. So everybody's going to have a different vision, a different strategy. Guys, let's do this. Let's take a quick word from our sponsors. Zach, when we come back, let's jump into the next category. The HyperPole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. 
Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with Edgar and Zach today talking about the three core segments of your business part two. We just talked about strategy. Zach, the next one that was sent in was the following equipment. I think one of the things that we need to do is to be able to manage our equipment. How responsible are the techs of the equipment. And this one is a big one for me. I know specifically where they're coming with that. And that is for me, when I had my guys, it was a big one because once the guy started to do repairs, I had to buckle down because what would happen is every week, drills would be gone impact drivers would be left behind. Anything that I would give them, it would just get lost or left behind. And Zach, I was one of those that I would buy like all the tools and all the gadgets, right? I'm like, if it's going to make your job easier, let's buy it. I would buy all the multi-tools and every kind of socket that you can imagine. And I would simplify, right? So the sockets that we didn't use, I didn't put in the bag. So they had what they needed. But it was one of those that once they started to do repairs, once they started to do filters, it almost felt like this nonstop of, oh, I don't know where I put the drill. Oh, I don't know what happened to the socket. Oh, I don't know what happened to multi-tool that was by the one where you could take the little filter caps off the bottom of the Pentair filter. And it's like you buy those and they're gone. And so it was an issue of at a certain point, there has to be accountability, 
right? Like at certain point, and you're not just talking about tools, Zach, you're talking about, especially nowadays, is you talk about the hyper pole, right? That's like 300 and something dollars. That's not a $50 pole. That's not an $80 pole. That's a 300 and something dollar pole. You start talking about hammerheads. Are they taking care of their hammerheads? One of my things is I had one guy, Zach, I swear it was like every two or three weeks, the head of the hammerhead would be cracked. And I'm like, what are you doing? Everybody else has one and nobody else has problems, but yours is cracked three times this year, right? And they're not cheap. You start going $200 for the lid and then you have to take the hammerhead apart and you got to put it back together and time's lost and you feel like you're in this constant bubble. But I totally get where they're coming from with regards to the equipment, but there has to be the accountability. And as soon as I put an accountability in place, guess what? My issues were, were solved, right? The, most of them were gone. But it did require for me to do the formality of, okay, Let's grab a document. Let's put all the tools that I'm going to give you on that. Let's put what the procedure is on there, Zach, right? Which was, here's all the tools. Here's the values of them. You're responsible for them. And if you start to lose these tools, here's the consequence. Here's the write-up, right? Because you can't be losing these tools. And... If you're written up once, you go twice, you go three times, guess what? At that point, it might cost you your job. But you have to make people accountable for the tools that you're giving them. But the biggest thing is you have to do the procedure. You have to do the accountability. And then the biggest part, Zach, the biggest part that I think a lot of people are afraid of, and that is to then have the difficult conversation as soon as they lose their first drill or they leave their hyper pull behind or whatever, you have to sit down, you have to do the coaching and counseling, right? Now this requires you to have a different skill set to be able to have that conversation. But guess what? As soon as I put that procedure in place, as soon as I had that conversation, as soon as they signed off, they understood that I was serious. And guess what? Boom, problem solved. So it's funny because our biggest offender is Justin, the other <laughs> half of the business. And we actually have a friend that would send us repair work He'd, on his maintenance pools. And he had a joke that he loved going after Justin had went because he would always get some sort of new tool. And I don't know what it is with Justin, but you can go out, you could have the snap-on truck here and outfit him with the nicest tools and somehow he will lose all of the nice tools but he will maintain the most raggedy <laughs> broken <laughs> rusted tools that he has like i look at his bag and i'm like i don't even know how you installed anything today <laughs> like you are a magician but holding your partner accountable is a different story and you know what he gets out there and he gets it done and he does a badass job. So if that's what works, that's what works. But when it comes to your team and trying to manage that, believe it or not, we don't really have a formal process in place for kind of distributing those items and tracking it because it, it hasn't been a major issue. But you know, I'm sure as we grow, it'll become more and more of an issue and we'll have to sit down and 
write out a plan and figure out a process for that. But I agree with you. I think one of the biggest parts of this is the training and then the holding people accountable and also setting the expectation. Like you said, it's uncomfortable have to have those tough discussions. But, you know, the first time they lose a drill and you're, a drill <laughs> and you're like, you know what? Hey, things happen. Don't worry about it. Don't stress yourself out. That immediately becomes like, oh, they're not going to get very mad. And then there's not a lot of importance placed on that. So it's important that you set that expectation and emphasize the seriousness of being responsible for some of these expensive items. And people are going to occasionally make mistakes and things will happen. Equipment wears out. Things will break. So some of it is to be expected. But I think the, the kicker is if it's something that continues to happen repeatedly, then you are looking at coaching the individual and holding them accountable. And like you said, whatever your disciplinary plan is, you follow that. But at some point, it may cost them their job. If they're just being negligent and damaging expensive items uh, with no consequence, then you know at what point does it stop? And so I think it's important to set those expectations and hold them accountable. And what we'll do is if we have a hammerhead that keeps going down for whatever reason, it's like, oh, here's your uh, system vac with the leaf canister. Have fun. <laughs> and I get it all the time. Like, oh, I really need my vacuum. Like, you know, I never had a vacuum, a, a carded <laughs> vacuum. I had a leaf master and a system. <laughs> I could go to the most trashed pool and I had a system vac and a leaf canister that I'd have to... I'd basically have to spread the pile of leaves out just so I could get it with my system back and dump the canister 57 times. So you are talking to the wrong person right now. So Yeah, and here's what I want everybody that's listening to, to realize based off of this conversation with me and Zach is, interestingly enough, Zach doesn't have an issue with that. Like that type of thing hasn't been an issue for him with his guys and stuff like that, losing test kits or losing poles or losing any of that kind of stuff. But it was for me, right? When we talk about strategy, when we talk about procedures, these are the things that you need to do. You need to figure out what are those that are giving you a hard time that are making your business difficult. And those are the ones that you need to tackle. So if you're a pool pro out there that has two or three guys or girls doing pools and you don't lose any tools and that doesn't become an issue whatsoever, focus on something else that does require you your current attention, right? Maybe it's attendance. Maybe you have a guy showing up late every single day, right? Don't sit there and go, well, I have to put first in, first the procedure that Edgar talked about with regards to the tools, even though we don't lose any tools, over addressing the issue of the attendance. No, every business is going to be different and the things that are going to require attention are going to be different. So dive into those that are creating the most challenges for your company and put that procedure, but you have to put the procedure, have them sign off, have them write, go over the procedure with them, explain it to them, and then move on. So if to you it's tools and equipment, fine. If it's attendance over here for you, then focus on the attendance. And you do the same thing for the attendance, right? Here's the procedure. I wrote down what the procedure is for attendance. Over six minutes is a tardy. And so if you get there at minute number seven, guess what? You're late. It doesn't matter what the excuse was. If you're there seven minutes late, it's seven minutes late. Have that procedure, have it in writing, have them sign off. And then more importantly, 
hold them accountable because if you don't hold them accountable, that everything that you do means nothing. All right, Zach, you ready for the next one? Yes. And Zach's like, I've been ready. So here is a really good one. And I think a lot of people that, that, that start to grow start to at some point question what the sweet spot is or where they need to be. And so Zach, the next one is, how do I know how many pools each one of my guys can do? I have some that can handle 12 or even more, and then guys that do eight, and it's a struggle. So I think we all go through this at some point, right? As we start to grow at the beginning, it's just you're a single polar, you bring on your first guy, you just throw stuff out, you try to handle it. And that's okay. As you start to become a company with an office, with office hours, you start to level up to the next level, right? You have multiple employees, you now start need to bring those procedures and those expectations. So do you want to go first on this one, Zach, or do you want me to jump in? Uh, You can go ahead on this one. Okay. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is that to me, it's all about the numbers. And that's where I'm going to tell you to start. And a lot of people are going to tell me, well, I don't know what my numbers are. I can't figure it out. I have to get, I have to guess and go off of somewhere. And I'm going to go back to the same thing. And Zach, you and I have had this conversation. It's, I got to do this or this. Well, how is that going to impact your bottom line? And so if people come to me and they say, well, I don't know what it is. I don't have time to figure it out. Then I can't help you because the most important thing that you need to do is know specifically your numbers. And in order to be profitable, how many pools do they need to do? And if you don't know that, that's the biggest mistake that you're doing in your business, okay? The number one reason small businesses fail in the U.S. is because they don't know their cost of service or the cost of their product. And I've talked about this a thousand times, and that is you have a lot of businesses that are selling stuff, and they don't even know the cost of the product, but yet they're doing pricing based on what the competitor is charging, And if you are going to be financially successful, you cannot do that, period, end of story. There's no getting around it. So the first thing that I'm going to tell you is you need to know if you put a guy in a truck or a girl in a truck, you need to know how many pools they're doing. And guess what? You need to know how much the truck payment is. You need to know how much chemicals they use. You need to know the amount of insurance that it takes. And if they do 10 pools and that's $1,000 that you bring in, you need to be able to say, hey, my cost is $500, so I get to keep $500. Or it costs whatever, $9,000, and I only get to keep $1,000. Because from there, you're going to have to say, in order for my business to survive, they're going to have to do two pools more because I need to be able to keep $3,000, not $1,000. So... That's the very first thing that I'm going to say. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, eh, not what we want to hear, right? Because we don't know those numbers, but that's where you need to start digging in, okay? With that said, and that's my big number one thing, with that said, once you find out what those numbers is, you're going to move into the next phase. And that is, again, Zach, it's all about what we're talking about here today. It's about strategy. It's about procedures. It's about things to put in play. Number one, once you know what your cost is and how many pools they need to do, whether that's 12, 14, 3, 9, whatever it is, you have to set that as a standard and as an expectation. You need to go to all of your team 
and you need to go and say, in order for us to survive, in order for us to be able to do well, for you to be able to have a job, you're going to have to do 14 pools every week, right? And you set that standard, and I'm going to go back to the same thing. Now you sit down and you write a procedure, and you say, every employee is required to do 15 pools per week, and here's the expectation. From there, the next procedure that you're going to do is you're going to set the standard for how those pools are going to be done. If you have 10 steps for that pool to be done, each one of those pools requires that you follow these 10 steps. You can't do three steps on this one and two on this one and one on this one. Here's the number of pools. Step number two, here's the steps that need to happen. And then the biggest thing, and it's going to come back to the same thing, Zach, is accountability. So now that you know how many pools they need to do and the standard of excellence that's required to do those pools, what are you going to do when you have somebody that can only do eight pools a day and it's costing you two hours of overtime every single day in order for those pools to get done? So as you start to figure these things out, guys and girls, this is what I want you to do. Grab one little thing at a time put it on paper, put the procedure, even if you don't share it, start to create your own little steps so that you can start to tackle these things one at a time. And as you start to tackle them one at a time, by the time you look down and you look up, you have 15 procedures that you've put in your place for your business. I feel like I was on a John rant. Was I on a John rant? Yeah, that was good. I had six different things pop in my head and I was like, nope, nope, don't start going off on tangents. No, it's really good. And I want to add that the, and me and you have these conversations all the time and you're constantly like, okay, well, what are the numbers on it? And even me to this day, I'm like, ah, I think it's going to be good. I don't want to go figure this out. And you're like, no, like you need to figure this out. And I think we even just had this conversation the other day about numbers of pools and we were going back and forth. But when you're looking at that, you need to also consider, because it's easy to look at the cost of service at the time of service, but like you said, insurance, building, all of these other costs that aren't directly related to providing the service on site have to be factored in as well, or you'll get a false number and you won't be operating off those numbers correctly. So yes, I agree. Knowing your numbers is the first step. And you might find when you look into this that, man, they need to do 18 pulls a day. Well, how realistic is that that they're going to get 18 pulls a day? So now you need to go back and start looking at other back-end things that you need to be cutting back on, or maybe you're doing something that's just not effective that you need to change to get that number down to a realistic number of pulls a day. Another thing I want to add to all of this is that market and environment are a big factor in this. And our Houston market has a lot of larger pools. We get a lot of rain. We also get a lot of heat and we have a lot of trees and vegetation. And I was actually, before we got on today, I was looking at the weather app and we have a day coming up here in the next week that the high will be 67 degrees and the low will be 21. And that's a 46 degree change in a single day. So Our environment here is pretty crazy and constantly changing. So for us, it may be a little different than someone else that's in one of those, I don't know, San Diego or something where the weather's consistently nice and not changing all the time. But this whole thing we're talking about, how many pools in a day, this is something that I have gone back and forth on a few different times. I've tried it different ways. 
I almost feel like there isn't a sweet spot. It's been very tough for us to tackle it down because I talk to so many people who are doing or at least requiring their technicians to do 12 to 15 pulls in a day. And there's no way that we could accomplish that in an eight hour day doing all of the steps that we require. And another thing I wanna point out is I talk to a lot of people in interview process that they say, well, I was doing 15 pulls a day, but when you really ask the questions and you start digging in, you find out that they were working from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and they were maybe they were a subcontractor to that company or whatever. Well, we're W-2 hourly and we're trying to fit everything in an average of eight hours a day and we have to manage overtime and things like that. So you're not going to be able to do 15 pulls most likely with us. Yeah, especially if they're getting paid per pool and they're going at their own pace and they show up and they do the pools. It's exactly that. They can work 12 hours a day, but when you're W-2, that's not the case. Yeah. So again, depends on your strategy and what you have going on. And so for us currently, what we have is we target about nine to 10 stops a day. And that is a good number for us because I know at eight stops a day successfully completed within eight hours, I know our numbers and I know that is a good number for us based on our costs, based on our rate, based on everything we have going on. So if we get nine to 10 a day, then that's perfect and everything's good. Another thing that we try to respect here is that our team needs breaks. They need to eat lunch. They need to be safe. It is extremely hot out there. And in the winter, it gets extremely cold. If we have them just pushing through, pushing through, and we put 12 pulls on them, they're most likely going to be rushing through the day. They're going to be stressed out, so their morale is going to be down. They're going to be skipping breaks so that they can get back and finish within that eight to nine hour period. And we're potentially putting them in danger because they might get heat stroke or they might overdo it or they might overstress themselves out there. So that's something that we try to consider here. So when we were figuring out how many pools in a day, I also factor in, okay, they need a couple breaks. They need to be able to sit and have lunch and do things like that. So when it comes to how many pools individually, because I think the question let me look back at it here. I think it was, I have some guys that can do more. I have some guys that can do less. So we try to set up a baseline amount. And like I said, eight pools a day, that's the baseline. Ideally, we want to be getting more than that. So we might have someone that's new, they're trained, they're getting on their own, they're finding their groove, and they might be at eight pools a day. And then we might have someone else that's doing 9, 10, 11 pulls a day. So if we have someone that they're at that baseline, they start improving. Next thing, they're getting back at 2 in the afternoon. There's no issues with the pulls. Everything's going well. At that point, we'll look at adding a couple more pulls to that route. But what we also have to be careful of is that we might have someone that does 8 pulls, let's say 10 pulls on this Wednesday. But next Wednesday, because the environment is constantly changing, it might take them nine hours to do those 10 pulls from one Wednesday to the next. So what we have to be careful of is that we're not adding based on one single instance where they're back at two, now we're going to give you three more pulls. And then we come to find out that day was just a fluke or all the stars were aligning and everything was going perfectly. So keep that in mind. And then the last thing I'll touch on is the location and proximity of the pools is a big variable. That's that how many pulls can they get done in a day is dependent on that. And we have one neighborhood. It's about a 10-minute drive from the shop. And there are 13 pulls all just within 30 seconds of each other in that neighborhood. So that person can most likely get those 13 pulls done in a day 
where someone else might be driving 20 minutes to an area with pools that are more spread out and maybe they're only able to get nine done in a day. So you have to look at all these different variables, all these different factors and take them into consideration. But I'm going to go back to what Edgar said. If you don't know your numbers, then you'll have a hard time establishing what that minimum or that baseline amount of pools that need to be done in a day is. No, that's absolutely 100% spot on, Zach. We talk about it all the time. You get you got to know those numbers. You got to have to be able to do that in order to figure out if you're profitable because at the end of the day is if you're able to make money or not. If you're not able to make money, you are going to be a statistic. Zach, let's do this. Let's take our final word from our sponsors when we come back. I want to get your final thoughts. The HyperPole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Now available, Pool Invoice. Pool Invoice is a pool billing software created specifically for the pool service and repair industry. It's developed for our industry and only our industry. Pool Invoice is built with reoccurring billing in mind. You can print, email, text invoices, or even send via WhatsApp. You can add reoccurring or yearly charges, accept credits, and set up auto pay. You can even see when customers have seen the invoice. It even has a customer portal where they can log in and see, print, and pay invoices. It has all your customers' information on one page, so you don't need to search through hundreds of invoices looking for the one you need. Just go to the customer profile and it's all at your fingertips. Created specifically for the pool industry, Pool Invoice. Now available at PoolInvoice.com. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at BluRayXL.com. Blu-ray, all day. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed, open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable. And these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with the pros' time and comfort in mind, the patented double-locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleaners faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pool Nation live podcast with Zach and Edgar. John is out. We are talking about the three core segments of your business. And Zach, let me get your final thoughts. It's a lot to unpack and think about. And I think looking back, I fell into the same kind of trap that everyone, I think, does for the most part. And that's when I started 
it was just how many accounts can we get? And we were doing repairs. It was how many repair jobs can we get? We need money. We need it now. We needed it yesterday. And so that was really the grind. And I think I was guilty of doing what you were talking about and just putting my head down. And then in my case, it was five, six years have passed and I lift my head up and go, wait a minute. Yeah, we're bigger, we're doing more, but we're no more profitable. We're not really farther, or I should say closer to the goals that we want to achieve. And that point is when I really started digging into the business side of things and just trying to get any training I could on it, whatever class was offered, business finance fundamentals, things like that. I was jumping all over that stuff. And at that point, that's when my eyes really opened to what we're talking about today in these three core segments and the strategy, the operations, the financial side, knowing your numbers, getting these things in place. And I think this is a topic that will never get old. And I think it's a topic that will never be able to cover 100% of it. But don't let it overwhelm you. Just like Edgar said, what are the priorities? Is it attendance? Is it tools being lost? Is it learning water chemistry? Whatever it is, find your priorities and just start tackling them one by one. And I think John always says that saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And that's exactly what you need to do. And then just keep in mind what the end game is, where you're trying to go, what is the vision? And that way you know whether you're on course or not. So I'll just end with that. Don't let it be this overwhelming monster. Look at it as a fun challenge on figuring out how you're going to accomplish what it is you're trying to do. Yeah, I agree. You can't let it overwhelm you. You have to have the plan and you be a little bit into the driver's seat, right? And things are going to happen. You're going to be doing your business. There's going to be weeks that everything's marching great. And then all of a sudden, boom, somebody quits, right? Well, there there comes the curveball into the business. So now I'm stuck having to do the pools and I had plans to work on X, Y, and Z and now I can't do that. That's okay. That's part of life. That's going to happen. Don't get discouraged. What you do is somebody quit. You focus on hiring the next person. But what you do is you take that opportunity to go, hey, what are the 10 questions that Zach asks when he's interviewing people? Let me call somebody close to me that hires people and find out what they look for when they're trying to hire a candidate. Let me explain to them what some of my problems are with hiring people and combine those two. And when I go to interview the next people, try to find that person with the longevity or that person with the things that the other person was missing. So see it as a challenge to be able to step up your business to build off of that procedure because that's just going to make you stronger. I will promise you the path to success is never a straight line. It never is. There's a lot of up and downs. There's a lot of dead ends that you reach to. There's a lot of things that you might try that don't work. That's okay. That's just part of the journey. Just enjoy the journey of getting to where you need to get. And when something happens, you know what? You just put your head up and say, how am I going to solve this issue? And how am I going to move on to the next step? Because success is not a straight line. It's just, it's this path that if you look at it, it's up and down, left and right, and you will eventually get there as long as you work hard, but more importantly, the consistency that you have. If you're constantly, constantly, constantly working at your business, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, you will get there. So it gets easier as you get along once you have the experience, right, Zach, and you've learned through some of the mistakes that you make. Now you're smarter in that part of it. So the next time that it happens, you actually know how to handle it. So 
Anyways, I hope that everybody has enjoyed this podcast. This podcast will be out literally right after Christmas. I hope that everybody had an amazing Christmas. Zach, by the time that this comes out, you will be on vacation and a white Christmas. So I hope that you are not snowed in with six feet of snow all the way up to the windows that you can't get out. And you're calling me going, Edgar, come and help me. I need to dig out of this because... If you know me, I don't like the code, so that's probably not going to happen, Zach. <laughs> I won't count on it. <laughs> Anyways, I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. Zach, thank you so much. Everybody have a great one. We will catch you next Wednesday on our Instagram Live. Have a great one. Bye, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry. A pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com. 